Let's turn over this morning, um, kind of message I want to share with you uh, from Colossians. So turn over to Colossians, be finding your way in your Bible or your Bible app. <clears throat> Remember, you go past the General Electric Power Company, so Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians. Colossians is sandwiched between Philippians and 1 Thessalonians. And while you're turning there, I want you to start uh, start in chapter 1. We're actually going to be in chapter 4. So let's start in chapter 1, verse 1, just to, as a way of a reminder of where we are in the text this morning. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ, the Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And so here we see that, that Paul and Timothy are together, that they're writing to the church at Colossae, that they're writing to the Colossians, and, and that they're combating the, the reason he's writing this letter is to combat false teachers. You know, do we have any false teachers in our day and time? We sure do. Right? We have people that are focused on the wrong thing, that they're like, hey, we need you to give so that I can buy a new jet. What, where, where's the gospel in that? Right? That's more self about self and, and their wants and needs. But he, he's writing to the church at Colossae to basically combat false teachers. He, he's also writing this letter to encourage growth towards Christian maturity. And, and the overall theme is that Christ is Lord over all of creation. So now I want you to turn to chapter 4, right? Because why did we do that? We did that to kind of set the tenor and the tone for where we are today, to remember that this is where he's writing, that he's writing it from prison, mind you. Remember that. So let's look in chapter 4. And here, before he gives his final greetings, I want us to look this morning very quickly at the verses uh, 2 through 6 here in chapter 4. And you'll find these similar words in your copy of God's Word. Paul writes, he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ of account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Here, let's just go verse by verse, if you will, this morning. He's calling us to continue steadfastly in prayer. We're to be praying people. We're to be praying for one another. We're to be praying for the needs. Here's a prayer matter. If you're taking notes this morning, as you think about them over the next, you know, 24 hours, let's pray for our children 
and the teachers and the schools as they begin their new year. Maybe you might begin to pray something along the lines of something I've prayed for my children or that I prayed last night as I was thinking of our children going back to school. Lord, put people in our children's lives that know you, that will point them to you. I mean, just yesterday we were talking and and we met some folks uh, while I was in Columbia visiting with the Giffen family and uh, stopped to get something to eat. Lo and behold, I run into two people from Sumter. And we were talking to them, and, and they were talking about where my kids go to high school, and, and they go to Sumter High. And I'm, I'm excited that they go to Sumter High. You know why? Because Sumter High is its own little miniature world. Every clique, every group, every decision, every drug, every choice that they will have on the outside world, they have at Sumter High. And the thing is, they have to learn in that little bit of a more controlled world They have to learn to make good choices. And so are we praying intentionally for our children that that God would put people in their path who know him and would be willing to, to point him to himself? And so Paul is calling us, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. In essence, he's saying devote yourself. He's saying earnestly and be persistent in praying. You know, sometimes I think in prayer, in our prayer lives, we just pray one time and, and we, we believe that God is like a genie in the bottle. That we, we're just going to get those, we're going to get that wish and, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this and I'm going to attach in Jesus' name and amen at the end and, and I'm going to get what I want. Is that the way prayer works? Absolutely not. But we should be persistent in prayer. What's interesting here is any he says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, what I want you to see here this morning is he says, being watchful. He's saying, stay alert, stay focused. And then he tacks on this word, in it with thanksgiving. Here's the thing I want to I challenge you with this morning. Thanksgiving, if, if we're to have a heart of thanksgiving, if we're, ha- if we're to have a heart of thankfulness, if we're in our prayer lives, we're to, um, to approach the Lord and, and find ways to thank Him for what He has done, that causes us to focus, that causes us to think back, that causes us to reflect. You know, as you get to, to you're, you're here today, but... Lord willing, you'll lay your head down tonight and you'll go to sleep and maybe as you're going through your nightly routine, you begin to pray and you look back on the day and you begin to thank God for what he's done in the day. And so my question to you would be, what has God done? As as we get ready to enter a new week, what did God do this past week? As you enter this coming week, as as, as Monday's right around the corner, As you begin a new week, what do you need to praise God for what he did this past week? And and what do you see it? He's he's saying, stay alert, stay focused, stay watchful. You think about the disciples. What did Jesus do? He said, stay here, watch, and pray. What did they do? They they fell asleep. We we have a tendency. There needs to be rest in our lives. But I'm thankful here this morning as we look at at Paul's kind of further instructions to the Colossians, he's saying, look, not only should you be earnest and persistent and and steadfast and devote yourselves to prayer, but do it with thanksgiving. Then he says, he says at the same time, pray also for us. 
Are, are you praying for others? We put on the screen this morning of Matt Hunt, right? Matt and his precious family are getting ready to head to the mission field. The thing I appreciate about Matt's ministry and the Lord putting him in my path is that it's a face and it is a name of someone who's going to be serving across the sea, investing in the hearts and lives of other people. I think there's something beautiful about that. Can we pray for our missionaries? Sure. But when you have that face and that name, I think of Jesse and Daniel Fox. They're in Argentina now, and they, and they work with a ministry, and their ministry, the heart of their ministry is to go and find people who are deaf. And there are people in, that are deaf in these third world countries, in these other countries, they don't know their name. They don't know they're loved. They don't know there's a God. And so what do Jesse and Daniel and their team do? They go and they find them and they teach, you, they teach them that they are loved and that they are valuable. They teach them their name. Can you imagine a child, seven, eight, nine years old, not knowing their name and, and people not knowing how to communicate with them? And so they teach them how to communicate. So when you think of those things, as they cross your mind, not only are we to be praying for ourselves and, and thankful for what God is doing in our hearts and our lives here at Bethel, but we're to be praying for others. We're to be praying for missionaries. We're, Paul's saying, hey, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember Timothy. I want you to pray for us. And what does he ask for? He asks specifically, he says, that God may open us a door for the word. Now, let's, let's pause there for a minute. Are we praying for open doors? In essence, are we praying for opportunities? My prayer when I was leading Bethel through that season as your interim teaching and preaching pastor was even though I was only here on Sundays, we were praying for opportunities. We were praying for open doors for Bethel to be able to walk through. Some of them, we were praying, but some of them just presented themselves, and I was like floored, just like when we did the concessions at, at Lakewood. We didn't ask for that. We just simply took to be a blessing to the cheerleading team. And so next thing I know, Shannon, who is the athletic coach, over there now, she said, hey, would, would you be willing to do concessions? Well, what she meant was, at the time when I worked at Chick-fil-A, she wanted Chick-fil-A to do the concessions. Well, Chick-fil-A's not in the concessions business. They'll sell you all the sandwiches you want, amen, but they're not going to be the concession stand. And so it was there that the Lord began to birth through us, through our team, and through some other conversations and, and partnering with Pacala Church to say, look, we can't do this on our own. We need your help. And so what did we do? We went into that situation, and it was not for us to make a profit. It was for us to be a blessing. And, and, and last uh, two weeks ago, during our combined service, we baptized one of the young ladies that we met there. So are we praying for opportunities? Are we praying for opportunities in our own lives? Are we praying for opportunities for open doors in the, in the lives of the missionaries that we know? I mean, look at what the Lord has done through our cooperation and partnership with schools. I mean, I walked in Furman to be introduced as a new pastor at Bethel, and it was like, hey, Austin. I mean, Austin is literally a celebrity at, at Furman. He walked in Furman, and it was like, wow, okay. Like, you know, they knew him. They knew him by name. They were, their faces lit up. They were excited to see him. Manchester, look at what God's done there. Are we praying for opportunities? Are we praying for open doors? But look at what Paul says, for the word. 
for the word. I mean, I told you the story about how yesterday I, I ran into, um, <clears throat> it was actually Shelly Galloway, the communications director for the school district and the assistant to the superintendent. They just happened to be in Columbia for some reason, and I was actually FaceTiming my family, and I heard this person come, uh, I asked my wife or something, how much does something cost? And she said, you know, $25,000 or something. And it was Shelly, and I was like, really? Like, how is this Shelly? And so Shelly was there, and we were talking about a situation to where there was a gentleman that went, and he was over the Gideons, and he went to the school board meeting, and I happened to be there. And he was, he was if I could be very transparent, he was just very, I can't even think of the word I want to describe. He was, he was abrasive in his approach. He's like, we've got to get the word of God back into these schools. And he's like being, you know, being loud and just being like whatever. And it's like, dude, it's 20, at that time it was like 2017. That's not the approach that you have to, that's not the approach that you take these days. Yeah, maybe in a way that you used to be able to go and pass out Bibles. Maybe you provide Bibles for their FCA. Maybe you provide Bibles for somebody who's there in case someone asks or is inquisitive. But also, I think if you flip it, look at what God just did through Bethel. We got invited. Also, and I have been invited into the schools to be a blessing to encourage them, and then not only do they want us to come and encourage their team, but they wanted us to pray over their team. We're, we're, we're planting seeds. That's an opportunity, what? For the word to be presented. I mean, there were note cards on there to where people included, I would write on the, some of the ones that I wrote, you are loved, John three sixteen. That's an opportunity for the word. It's not the fact that for that Gideon that, that we were presenting them with the Bible, but most people, if they have any association with the church or been in church anywhere in their life, a pastor friend of mine reminded me, write John 3.16. Why? Because it's, it's a trigger. It's, it's there because there's an association. It's a reminder. For God so loved the world. You're loved. And so, hey, we might not have been able to plant Bibles, but we planted the Word. One quick story, too, about that situation. And, and see, this is just my approach and that gentleman, I went to him because obviously I'm a believer and, and I think that we should. We should find opportunities to get the word and get Christian things into the schools. Because you know why? Because if we don't, other groups will. Did you hear what I said? Other, if we don't step in and be the hands and feet of Christ, other groups with other agendas will step in. There's an opportunity. But for me, so what I did, and this is not about me, but just to tell you about sometimes when you're praying with focus to, to devote yourself steadfastly in prayer, I was willing to help that gentleman. And so I called him up, and I sent him a Facebook message. And you know what? He never would return my call. And I remember getting mad. I was like, man, I want to try to help you. I want to try to, like, have some conversations with people. And I felt myself getting angry. And then I said, wait a second, Chris. Why are you getting angry? It's his, it's his agenda so you know what I did? I said, you know what? I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expend any more energy there. I gave him an opportunity to try to sit and talk with him and try to say, look, that might have been the way you've done it in years past, but now we have to be more mindful. We have to be a little bit more intentional in the ways that we plant the word. Paul says at the same time, pray also for us, pray for others, pray for missionaries, that God may open a door for the word. And then he says this to declare the mystery of Christ. 
What, what's interesting here is he also mentions the mystery of Christ in chapter 1, in verse 26, sorry, in verse 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul writes in verse 29, For this I told, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And so this mystery, it's an interesting phrase, like the mystery of Christ. It's no longer a mystery. It was, it was prophesied in, in the Old Testament, but now Christ has come forward and he's the fulfillment of that. It's no longer a mystery, but it's to revealed, it's to be revealed through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he uses us to reveal that as well. Then, then look what he says in verse 3. He says, on account of which I'm in prison. That, that's the result of his work. It's a demonstration of his love. What did he, he said in, in, in verse, in, in chapter 1, and we see here as, as he's finalizing this letter, we, we see that it's a demonstration of his love. So much so, he loved the people at Colossae, that he was willing to, in, in that area as he ministered, that he was willing to go to prison. And so I've come to ask you this morning, what has following Jesus cost you? What does following Jesus cost you? Maybe look at it this way. What have you had to give up in order to follow Jesus? Jesse, Daniel, the Hunt family, the Dinkins family from here in Sumter, they've gone. They, they've given up the comforts that they had to go to worlds unknown across the sea to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Pray for them. Pray that they may give, be given opportunities. But let me remind you of this. This is not original to Chris. We all think that we have to go overseas to be impactful we don't one of the best quotes i've ever heard about missions is this and it's one of those zingers y'all hear me talk about zingers it's one of those you hear and it's like and it is lodged there forever the best quote i ever heard about missions was this don't go across the sea if you're not willing to go across the street don't don't go across the sea if you're not willing to go across the street. We have people that literally will take mission groups and they go over there and they're in impoverished communities and they pull out their phones and it's like, oh, let me take a selfie with these poor little people in Africa so that I can show how good and great I am, that I came over here to give them Jesus. Funny how God works. A lot of times people will go over there with that attitude. And Jesus will meet them there and show them how little they really know of who he, he really is. 
So what has following Jesus cost you? What have you lost? What have you had to give up to follow him? Verse 4. Paul says that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Friends, if you want to begin to pray something for me, for Austin, for our team, pray for clarity. I heard old pastor say one time, if it's a if it's a mist in the pulpit, it's a fog in the pews. If it's not clear here as it's proclaimed, it's just a fog. Pray for clarity. Pray for clarity for the teachers and the preachers and the missionaries and for each of us. That as we're afforded and given the opportunities that we would present the gospel that we would share the gospel, that we would share what God is doing in our hearts and lives with clarity, with gentleness, with respect. Verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, in essence, non-believers, making the best use of the time. In essence, it's saying, look, we, 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 he's calling us to pray for those doors, those open doors of opportunities. And so we need to be making the best use of each opportunity. We need to treat it as if it's something precious and to not approach those situations haphazardly. Real quickly, look at verse 6. <clears throat> look at verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Our speech. Our speech matters. Our words matter. James tells us what? That how much a forest is lit ablaze by such a small fire. That, that's our tongues, our words, the things that we let come out of our mouths. They either destroy or they lift up and they encourage he also gives us a beautiful illustration that, of blessings and cursings. That, that, that It's like salt water and fresh water that they can't come out of the same spout. Let your speech always be gracious, pleasant, full of grace. For there to be love, compassion, and for there to be kindness. And then, and then he says, seasoned with salt. <clears throat> now listen, speaking of my boys and being at Sunder High... I'm glad I made it out of Sumter High. You know, <clears throat> I was the upperclassman in the underclassman classes, and so I failed physical science, partially because there was this cute girl that was sitting near me, and I don't know, I was just young and dumb, and so I tried to impress her, and I failed. I had to take it again. But but as we think about this this morning, season with Saul, I, I wound up as I was studying, and this is what I want to just encourage you. It's not about Chris. It's about when we truly sit down with a passage of Scripture, when we sit down with a few verses and we begin to, to, to read it and, and to meditate on it, to ponder it, study it, to use the tools and resources, our Bibles, our minds, His Spirit. I happened to click over and, and I began to read about salt. And the reason I tell you the story about physical science is because I'm not a big science guy. I obviously failed it, so it's not, I'm not, so, not something I'm good at. But what was fascinating, listen, I want to share this with you as we, as we wrap up today. Salt. What's interesting about salt is, as you know, that it, there was a day and time where it predominantly was there to preserve food. 
it's there, as most of you know, to enhance flavor. As Paul's saying this, he's saying, let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt. He's, he's figuratively saying, let it be uplifting. Let it be pleasing. Let it enhance the conversations that you're a part of. Interestingly enough, in, in olden times, it was called the white gold. Never heard it called that. In ancient times, such as Jesus, when the Bible was written, it was valuable. And here's something interesting, and and just to tell you kind of how my mind works and what I did, I read this statement. It says, salt cannot be destroyed by fire or by time. So it can't be destroyed by fire. That's interesting. So you know what I did? Kendall went home, so see, I could probably get by with this. So I went in the kitchen, and I got this little tin that we bake uh, little cakes in. I got the Morton salt down, and, and I poured a little bit in there, and then I found my grill lighter, and I said, I want to see if this really works. And so I got my grill lighter, and I got a little bit of salt, and I put it in there. I was like, wow, it's not doing anything to the salt. It, 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 fire, doesn't, fire doesn't destroy it. Time doesn't destroy it. And so think about it this week as you leave here. Will your speech be gracious? Will will what you say to others be uplifting? Will it be encouraging? Because again, I think the reminder that we need today is that it will not be destroyed by fire. Those things that you say that you implant in others can either lift them up or tear them down. God is telling us through Paul that it should be seasoned with salt. That it should be uplifting. It should enhance the conversation. Then he says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Friends, there will be questions. And are you prepared for the questions that they will ask you? I encourage you, maybe you need to do what I have done. And to give you just an example, you take a take an index card or take something and put it in the front of your Bible and just begin to write down some passages of Scripture. You know, things that come to mind. In, in this, I have the Scripture reference, and then beside it, I have just key words. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, perfect peace, the rock. First Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord in His strength. Judges 2, 10, a sobering reminder. First Thessalonians 5.14, we're called to do what? We're to admonish the idle, to help the weak, to be patient with them all. Even I, I, All it says in here is that we're called to, and I wrote a number three, and then ended with patient with them all. Find ways to get the word of God in your heart and in your mind. But set yourself up for success. If we're going to go out, if we're going to season our speech, if, we're gonna, if, if people are going to have questions about the hope of which we have, we need to be able to do it gently and humbly to share with them a hope of which we have. Set yourself, Give yourself some resources. I can't remember everything. Can you all remember everything? Sometimes in the morning I'm getting ready. I'm like, Lord, did I just take my medicine or not? You know, it was like it, it wasn't that long ago. Okay, I see some people chuckling. Some of y'all might be the same way. Find ways. That's my goal for you today. That's my prayer for you today. Find resources. Find tools. Find ways to make notes to jot things down so that when people come your way and they have questions or they have struggles or they have concerns or they need to be comforted, that you can open the Word and you can say, let me tell you what God's Word says. You don't have to have a lot. Maybe some of y'all need to start with two or three. And what I'm going to tell you is, and I love, is sometimes even when I don't have my Bible, 
And I'm like, Lord, I wish I did. There are those things that you can begin to just rattle off because you, it's there. You've meditated on it. You've, you've memorized it. It's gotten into your heart, and you begin to share it. So will we be like Paul? Will we be, will we be thankful when we pray? And will our speech be seasoned with salt, enhancing the conversations this week? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the reminder that we're to be praying for other people. Father, my prayer is this morning that I pray for opportunities for Bethel moving forward. Lord, I don't know what you want to do in privateer. I don't know what you want to do in Sumter. I don't, want, I don't know what you want to do in and through us. But, Father, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to give us open doors, that you would give us other opportunities to be your hands and your feet, to be salt, to be light to those that you place in our path. And, Father, I pray this morning that maybe we would be reminded as we pray to pray with thankfulness, Lord, because that thankfulness takes us back and reminds us of how you've blessed us and how you've worked in our lives and in our hearts. Father, most importantly, too, I pray this morning for these, your people. Lord, as we leave this place, may our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. May it enhance, may it lift up those you place in our path. Father, we ask all this in the mighty, precious, and matchless name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.